Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Niner Sports Talk. My name is Bryson Foster. I'm the sports editor of the Niner Times, the student-run newspaper here at UNC Charlotte. And today, I am joined by Lily Warlick. Good morning, Bryson. Good morning, Lily. One of our best staff writers we've got. Lily's going to join me today. And like always, the same old, same old. We're going to talk about Charlotte athletics and national sports Let's jump right into it with Charlotte baseball. The 49ers are 16 and 15 overall now with a win over Winthrop last night, which we'll talk more about. And they're 6 and 5 in conference USA play. But over the weekend against UTSA, the number 24 team in the nation, head coach Robert Woodard secured his 100th career win for the Charlotte 49ers. That was in a 12 to 10 defeat of the road runners. Coach Woodard did it in a record of breaking pace, 166 games. And since he took over all these years ago, you look at how this team has improved and what they've done. They had a 40-win season in 2021, NCAA regional berth in the same year, and were CUSA regular season champions. You also look at the amount of players that have gone to the draft, David McCabe, Aaron McKeithen, Nate Furman, all these guys are carrying on the legacy of what it means to be a 49er. Lily, what are your thoughts on Robert Woodard's 100th win? And a record-breaking pace is, is very impressive. Yeah, it is very impressive. I mean, you can tell that the work that he has done with these players is obviously tremendous. He sent all these players to the draft, and getting getting the team to where it is now I think he absolutely has deserved that 100th career win. Yeah, definitely really, really cool to see. And I, I think for me as someone who's, you know, a little bit younger, I'm 22, you know, and I think you as well, it's just kind of cool to be along for these historic landmarks because uh, you see a lot of the players, like, you know, even in the NBA MLB that you grow up with, seeing them reaching these career milestones. And you have somebody like Robert Woodard, you just got to sit back and kind of be like, man, that's – that's a really cool feat, and I'm glad I got to watch it. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of a cool thing to see? Right, yeah. He's one of those coaches you can sort of idolize. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you. He's one of those guys that is just so impressive, and, you know, he was kind of bred for this coaching position in North Carolina. He had such a successful career now at Charlotte doing the same thing. But let's recap last night's game against Winthrop. It was a 4-3 win for the 49ers at Robert and Marion Hayes Stadium. We'll keep it going. Charlotte in the first three innings had a had a chokehold on this game. Will Butcher doubled to right field, bringing home Can Fisher and Jake Cunningham to make it two to zero. And then Brandon Stallman followed that up with a double, which scored Butcher to make it three zero in the first inning. Hot start for the 49ers. Something we've talked about in previous weeks. The team has to set the tempo. Austin Knight then would single to center field in the third inning to score Cam Fisher. Cam Fisher's second time coming across the plate to make it 4-0. But in the fifth and the seventh innings, it was all the Eagles as Winthrop went on to make it 4-3. Um, but the 49ers would close things out in the later innings and would secure the win 4-3 to get over 500. Hell, Sims is 1-0 on the season. And Reese Lumpkin for Winthrop took that loss. Evan Michelson got the save, his second on the year. I got to say this, Hale Sims is a pretty cool name in my opinion. I love that name. And it's really great to see 
the 49ers win. And for Sims to get that first win of the season is is really impressive. Lily, that's got to be a confidence builder, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Especially for him, it definitely will be a confidence booster. And, you know, Sims has done a really good job this season. You know, he went three and one-thirds, giving up two hits and no earned runs. Eight strikeouts for Sims. That's something the 49ers have done so well. Strikeouts, right. Hudipal, uh has been really the big one. Uh, Wyatt has just been great this season. You know, he broke that record with 17 Ks. Hell, Sims doing the same thing. This weekend, another CUSA series for the 49ers. They face the Rice Owls. They're headed to Houston to play this team April 14th through the 16th. Three-game series. Just a little fact here. The 49ers have won every road Conference USA series this season. Let's scout Rice. What do they bring to the table? The Owls are 15-17, and 17, uh, and they are 6-6 six and six in Conference USA play, led by Pierce Gallo. Gallo is really, really an impressive player. Batting 336, he's got 113 at-bats with 38 hits, two homers, 10 ribbies, and 53 bases. Uh, and he is 16th in the conference in batting average. And then for them, they don't have any other players over 300, but Connor Walsh bats 280, Drew Holderback bats 279, and Parker Smith on the pitching side of things, is the ace for this team. 1.90 ERA with a 1.14 whip, which is pretty impressive. 2-1 and one record with 46 Ks and just some rankings of the Owls and CUSA play. They're 8th in batting, 8th in pitching, 5th in fielding. So a very middle-of-the-pack team, you know, in, in that record of 15-17 and 17 kind of shows that uh, as well. Lily, what are your thoughts on the Rice Owls and what does Charlotte need to do to kind of slow them down? You definitely got to think a big key is to slow down Gallo for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can tell just by Gallo's stats that they will absolutely need to slow him down. I think, you know, it's sort of a toss-up about what could happen this weekend. Rice seems like they could obviously bring it. Charlotte can definitely bring their A game. I think it just depends on whether or not they can level up to Rice this weekend. Yeah, and you know the Owls actually, I said 15 and 17, they did play last night, beat Lamar 7-3. to They've got another game today against McNeese. And this team won 17 games a year ago. They're already at 16. So they're much improved, a different team than the 49ers saw last year. But I think it's going to be a really good one. And, you know, we scouted the Owls. Let's look at some players that you need to keep an eye on for the 49ers. Cam Fisher, of course. Who else would you think we've mentioned? Every week we bring up this guy because he is just a spectacular player. A 391 batting average going into last night. 1.389 OPS. 38 runs, 43 hits, which, of course, that's increased off that game. 36 ribbies, 16 home runs. 16 home runs is a very key number because that's third in the nation. Very, very impressive. Also, Will Butcher batting 291. Jack Dragon bats 290. 86, um, some really, really solid players. Dragum has been on fire lately um, as as well. His uh, hitting streak was broken last night, but it was an eight-game hitting streak. Very, very impressive. And then on the pitching side of things, Cameron Hansen has a 3.35 ERA, and Wyatt Hudipal has a 4.26 ERA. 
Just some of the records, Hanson is 2-1, and one, Hudipole is 2-4, and four, and Paxton Thompson is 3-1 and one with a 2.81 ERA. Just some kind of guys that uh, we don't know the starter for Friday yet or really this weekend, but those are three guys that most likely will because they are the starters in the rotation. For Charlotte, conference ranking 7th in batting, 5th in pitching, 2nd in fielding. Um, really, really interesting team. Cam Fisher, I cannot speak highly enough of this young man. He is such a great player, and he's one of those guys that you only get once in a while, and you're lucky if you ever have any of them in your program. Again, kind of goes back to what we talked about with Woodard a lot. He's the kind of guy that hasn't gone out and gotten these players. He is a great recruiter, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that, Um, but the 49ers and the Owls this weekend – Charlotte's getting it together. Didn't look good for a while, but we're through the storm. I think the 49ers are going to keep on trugging. Lily, what are your thoughts on the series? Give me a prediction. Do you think Charlotte wins the series? How many games do they win in that? What are your thoughts on this weekend? You know, after looking at some of their top players, you can obviously you can see that this year they do have a lot of star players, and I think it is possible that Charlotte could win the series. They just need to keep their momentum throughout the games and their you know Woodard has done a great job at coaching these men and with Cam Fisher batting a 391 and Butcher batting a 291 I mean you know you already have some of these strong individuals who may be able to carry the team to the series I definitely agree with you we've talked about it Sam talked about it a couple weeks ago uh and and really they're doing it this is a hitter's row and Sam said they got to piece it together, and they're really doing a good job of that. I think the 49ers are going to sweep this weekend. I just am very confident in this team. I think they've gotten over that hump, and I think they're going to go far. Well, let's move from one side of the street at Robert and Marion Hay Stadium to Sue M. Daltridge Stadium, the home of Charlotte softball. Man, these ladies have been killing it lately, and that's that's not an understatement at all. 24-14, and 11-3 in the CUSA. You know what that is? That's first place. It's pretty cool to see. Winners of five straight. They beat Western Kentucky. Lost that first game. Won the last two. Then they beat Coastal. Then they beat Middle Tennessee State twice because that third game was, of course, rained out. But this week, big week for the 49ers. They've got Liberty tonight in North Texas this weekend. We're going to preview both of these teams, kind of look ahead to these matchups. Uh, For Liberty, Rachel Crane leads the team. She bats 340 with a 4.79 slugging percentage. She's got 32 hits, 13 runs, 16 ribbies, two homers. Um, and then they have five players on this team over 300. KK Madre with the 330, Devin Howard at 317, Mary Wilson at 308, and Megan Fortner at 307. Carolyn Hudson, I think, bats 298 right outside, but she has 10 homers, which leads the Atlantic Sun Conference. And then pitching-wise, Carly Keeney and Paige Bachman have a 1.94 and 1.97 ERAs. Two really good pitchers for them. Lily, when you look at this Liberty team, what stands out to you? The players. And I think that you can uh, agree to that as well. They have three players over a three batting average, which is obviously insane. And I think that you know, these players stand out to me the most. But as far as Charlotte, you know, you have uh, two players over a 3.3 batting average, 
which, you know, isn't too far off. Charlotte still has that edge. You know, in, in Liberty, 25 and 14 overall, 10 and 2 in conference. Both these teams are very, very similar. Um, I mean, if you look at Charlotte, you know, you got Krupit and Vinoy. Krupit is batting 392, Vinoy 324. Uh, and this just feels like one of those games that's going to be a slugfest. It's two really good teams that are mid-major programs. And I think when you're a mid-major, you've got a chip on your shoulder. we got a lot to prove. And both of these teams have gone against Power 5 opponents and have beaten them. And so this is one of those games that I think for the 49ers, if you want to make the NCAA tournament, you got to win these games. Um, and so that's really interesting. But you're right. So many solid players on this Liberty team. Um, when you have five players over 300, you're doing something right. That's just right. that's just the name of the game. And then Carolyn Hudson with 10 homers, that's someone I think you got to keep an eye on. I mean, you have to be careful when pitching to her because if you throw it right down the middle, it's gone. You will not see that ball ever again. It will be in a new area code. <laughs> and Carolyn Hudson is just a great player. But Charlotte is the same way. Crouppen and Vinoy, especially Bailey Vinoy. I mean, if you give Vinoy the pitch she wants – See you later, you know. Yeah. So I think it's going to be be really interesting. Uh, tonight's going to be a fun game. I'm excited to see what happens. This weekend, Charlotte plays North Texas. This is a big matchup because the Mean Green eliminated Charlotte last year in the Conference USA Tournament. It looked great for Charlotte as well because the 49ers were up in that conference game, just couldn't put it together. They've got a couple of their players back. Um, from last year's team, and a couple of new additions. Kaylee Gamble leads the team, 364, 40 hits, 26 runs, 40 hits, 14 homers, and 38 ribbies. She's tied for fifth in the nation for home runs at 14. Another great player that can go uh, yard a lot. you got three players over 300 for this team. Sierra Simon, 315, of course, the previously mentioned Gamble, and Kaylee Christensen at 309. One player, though, that was on that squad last year that has been around for a while, stellar player, is Lexi Cobb. She was a CUSA second team selection last year. Somebody to keep an eye on. And also kind of punished Charlotte <laughs> in that CUSA tournament. Pitching-wise, Mackenzie Wagner, 156 ERA. Ashley Peters, 1.84 ERA. Peters was a second team all CUSA selection last year. Lily, you know that for Charlotte – they have a bad taste in their mouth. Something I say a lot. That's the truth. They got a bad taste in their mouth from last year against North Texas. They were up in that game, up big. And North Texas put it all together, rallied to beat the 49ers. What do you think this game does for Charlotte? You know it's got to be fuel to the fire. When they looked at this calendar this year, you know they had that game circled. And they said, we're going to prove that we're the better team. Three-game series, going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's going to be a wake-up call for Charlotte, especially after what happened last year. I definitely agree with you. I remember watching that game. Charlotte was ahead in North Texas, which is just a formidable foe. Uh, they have a lot of quality hitters, just like Liberty. Um, and Charlotte is getting into that type, type of time of the year where they are playing these top teams. Let's scout Charlotte, though. Cassidy Krupa, like we said, 392. Vinoy, 324. They are the stars for the 49ers. And if, you know, you want to argue that point, I'll bring up these facts. They combined for 83 hits, 59 RBIs, 57 runs, 150 total, 55 total bases, 
and 17 home runs. That's pretty impressive, I would say. Um, they need to continue to perform, and they have, especially against Liberty and North Texas, these next four games they have to perform. They must perform. And honestly, I believe this, because me and Joey talked about it last week, this team will go as far as Vanoy and Krupa take them. That's how I feel. If they are performing well, Charlotte will go far. Uh, but the thing about it is, it's not just all on their shoulders. Charlotte's got a pretty impressive team. Ashley Washington is nearing the 300 mark. Ariana Roddy is batting 259. Corey Hoffler, who uh, was a great player for them last year, we talked about last week, starting to get things going. She's batting 242. Ella Chauncey batting 236. Um, really, really solid team built around these two. Um, and so it's not just on their shoulders. They got a lot of great players. And then Sam Grass on the pitching mound, 1.73 ERA, 14 and 6 record. That's why they went out and got Gress last year. They they wanted her, and that was something Charlotte struggled with. They needed to build into that rotation, and they've done that. And then Georgiana Barefoot, another transfer from Campbell University, has a 4-2 and two record uh, as well. Lily, I'm going to give it to you. Give me your predictions. Give me a score for Liberty and if they win the North Texas series. You know, Bryson, I think – this game is going to be close, Charlotte versus Liberty. They have some amazing players. My score prediction, I'm going to put it at 7-6, and six, Charlotte. I think that's really fair. I agree with you 100%. It's going to be a high-scoring slugfest. I'm going to go 9-8. to eight. I, think, I think, you know, it's going to be up there. Um, even though both teams have good pitching, we don't really know who's starting for either team because those decisions will come out today. Um, but honestly, I think it's going to be 9-8. Charlotte wins, and in my opinion, Vinoy hits a homer that puts them ahead, and uh, Liberty can't erase that deficit. When it comes to North Texas, I'll go first and then give it to you, I think that Charlotte wins that series 2-1. to one. I don't think they will sweep them, and I think both wins are going to be hard-fought battles, but I think the Charlotte team is battle-tested. They had a strong start last year and ended kind of disappointedly. And with North Texas, I think that they kind of want to get back at them. So I think they'll win it two to one. What about you? Bryson, you know, I'm going to go with a, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be two to one. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, we can't be biased and say we hope the 49ers win, but we hope the 49ers win. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's let's move on to some other sports. Let's talk about Charlotte track and field, man. This team is just really putting it together. Number 30 in the nation. Very good ranking. And at the Duke Invitational this past weekend, Riley Phelps, listen, you got to give Riley Phelps her flowers. She deserves it. Set the record for pole vault in the program three weeks in a row. She wasn't able to keep that going, but a 4.40 meter vault, which is just amazing. Remember, the record she broke last week was 4.42. So she's right up there. And it's, it's really impressive to see. But uh, she took home first in the pole vault, dominated that. Uh, Lauren Johnson won the women's 5,000 meters with a time of 1628.69. And then on the men's side, Alec Esposito finished fifth in the men's 1,500 meters. Daniel Vo, congrats to him. He recorded a season best in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. And Thomas Olson finished eighth in the men's pole vault. So, 
really good weekend as well. Next up, what do they have on the calendar this weekend? The High Point Meet of Champions on April 15th. Remember, High Point hosted an event two weeks ago, the Verticlass, and it was a really great week for Charlotte, setting so many records. I think when they go back to High Point, it'll be just the same. Let's move into tennis. Tennis went 2-1 and one over the weekend. The women played one match. They won 1-0, or they won. And then the men's team uh, had a loss and a win, so they split this weekend. Um, if you look at the men, they beat Elon 5-2, but fell to number 33 VCU 4-0. Um, and with the win over Elon, Charlotte has won six straight over the Phoenix. Uh, and another, just a couple things here, Lillian, I'll get your opinion. Charlotte's earning of the doubles point in the Elon match was the third consecutive time that they have done that. Um, so three straight weeks they've won that doubles point, which is just so key. I mean, it's really key to win that doubles point, get that early 1-0 lead. And this also marked the first time that Charlotte has earned three consecutive doubles points since doing so in February of 2021 when they beat Liberty, North Carolina Wesleyan, and North Carolina Central. Doubles point is so key, setting Temple. Lily, what has been the, the name of the game for this team? What is leading to this success in the doubles point? You know it's only one set, so you you got to get it all right then. You can't afford uh, to play around, but they're really doing a good job of winning that. Charlotte has some key players, you know, Koi Simone, Ivan Dracob. You know, these players really are a key, and I think that having them – with, with their hit, like their hitting, I think is really key. Yeah, I mean, they're connecting really well. And when you're winning these points, it goes to show that your technique is really great and they're really practicing putting in that work. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned Coy Simone. He secured the match against Elon. He lost the first one 3-6, to six, but then 7-5, seven, 7-5 five, seven, five wins to really to win that, close it out. And then a young tandem of sophomores, which you mentioned, Cochran and Dracob, uh, they ended up winning that first doubles match that led to the point. You got to really look at this team and go, man, even though they've struggled in places, they've got some young talent. Cochran and Dracop are the kind of guys that you want on your team, the people that can come out and set the tempo and they know what's asked of them. And when you're a sophomore, when you're a young player and you know what's required of you, you're going to go far. And, you know, sadly against VCU, that broke their three-match winning streak. This VCU team is no slouch. They're number 33 in the nation. Charlotte fought hard in, in all of these matches. Um, this is really cool to see. One last match for men's tennis against Campbell on the 15th, April 15th. We the final one. And then it's USA tourney time and a chance to get to the NCAAs if they can win that bid. If you move to the women's team, the women's team are really killing it lately. Number 41 in the nation. Great ranking. Just goes to show how Anthony Davidson is just building this program. Really big fan of his. And they beat James Madison 4-0. Clean sweep. This is the 19th dual match victory for the 49ers. And they have done so every season under Anthony Davidson. Which, Davidson hasn't been here a long time. He's been here three to four years. But if he's really building this program up. When he got here, it was in shambles, and he's done a great job. All the flowers and all the credit to Davison. But he's got some great players. Lucia Quitero, who won Conference USA uh, Athlete of the Week, she led the way. She won her singles match 6-4 to four and 6-2, to two, and then with Margot Maquette won her doubles match as well. So 2-0 over the weekend, that's a real big confidence booster. 
And just some things to watch. Women have one last match, regular season finale, in the CUSA tournament. They play VCU on April 15th in the CUSA tournament. Here's a little thing to watch for, something that I've been monitoring. Kavya Swahani and uh, Ruxi Skek are one win away from the program record of 60 double match wins. That's such a great feat. Lily, what does it mean to this program to have so many great players, Kitaro, Swahani, Skek, all these players that are just really putting it together? And it's got to be really cool to be one win away if you're that doubles duo. I think it shows that they're all their hard work that they've put in and, you know, they're working on their technique and they're getting out onto the courts and they're they're really showing what Charlotte brings to the table. But but yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with you uh, 100% on that. Uh, just really cool to see. Uh, and, you know, the tennis programs, it's just been so fun to be around. You know, I did an article last year and, you know, you write a lot of recaps. They're just fun teams to cover. Um, because they, they're they're playing free, they're having fun, and I think CUSA tournament is going to be really good for both of these programs uh, as as well. Let's move to the golf scene. Um, you know, not a lot for women's golf because they're done with the regular season. CUSA tournament's coming up on April 13th to the 15th, so it starts tomorrow, runs through Saturday. Uh, this women's team has really turned it on lately. Kyra Moodley had a top 10 uh, in their last event, and Maya Samuelson has finished second two weeks ago um, at the Linger Longer. Did really well there, and the team finished second. Uh, so the women's team got a lot to prove. Those are two golfers to really keep an eye on uh, because they have led the way for Charlotte this year. And, of course, there's a lot of other ones, too, um, that you just got to keep an eye on. The men's team is in the midst of the Mason Rudolph Championship. They are tied at ninth. Uh, with a 13 over, which a lot to prove, uh, improve on, uh, but ninth is is pretty good out of about 15 teams there. They're actually tied for that with Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. Um, so pretty cool stuff. Lily, thoughts on these golf programs? Um, it's just been really fun to see, and I think w- when you look at sports like this, golf and tennis, it's all about when you start the season, you're going to be a way different player at the end because you're just going to improve pick up on things. Uh, thoughts on these golf programs um, as the CUSA tournament looms large in the mirror? You know, I've written quite a few golf articles uh, this year, and watching these teams go from what they were in the beginning to what they are now, you know, you get to write and watch how they improve and you know their wins and their losses and like you said the two players for women's golf to watch out for Moodley and Samuelson you know they're amazing and I absolutely agree that they are two amazing players that you should keep an eye out for you know you get to watch them improve like I said and men's they're in the middle of a tournament and so we get to watch that play out basically as we speak and you know it's just been amazing watching them improve all season. You know, the men's team coming off a uh, NCAA berth, losing uh, Matt Sharpston, who was just a fantastic player for them. He's playing professionally. You know, you get players like Tanner Guthrie and Dongjin Park who have just done really good jobs, have earned those CUSA honors, and just really, really fun to watch. Um, let's move on to the national sports scene. Uh, not much to talk about. We'll recap the Masters. And the NBA play-in has started. Last night was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, the Hawks defeated the Heat 116-105. 
which I did not see that coming. The Hawks will be the seventh seed, uh, while the Heat have to play again um, to try to secure that eighth seed. Just on the stat line, Trey Young went for 25 last night, John Collins at 10, and DeJounte Murray, who we talked about, they had brought in to pair with Young, had 18. But the bench for the Hawks was just amazing. Sadiq Bey had uh, 17 Johnson had 10. Bogdan Bogdanovich had 14. For the Heat, Jimmy Butler had 21. Bam had 12. And then Tyler Hero uh, had 26. You may know him from uh, that Jack Harlow song. Uh, And then Kyle Lowry coming off the bench had 33 last night. Uh, But the Hawks are moving on. And then in the other matchup, it was the Los Angeles Lakers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the Lakers won. They will be the seventh seed. Won 108-102. That game went into overtime. Pretty fun to watch. Um, Let's look at the Lakers. Anthony Davis went for 24 and 15 rebounds. LeBron went for 30 points, 10 rebounds. Um, And then outside of that, off the bench, Dennis Schroeder had 21. And Rui Hachimura had 12. And then for the T-Wolves, Carl Anthony Towns had 24 points, 11 boards. Mike Conley had 23. The acquisition... uh, from the Jazz really paying off. But Anthony Edwards struggled. 3-17 from the field, had nine points. They're going to need him to step up uh, if they want to go far. Tonight, though, there are more play-in games. The Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls. That's the ninth number nine team and number ten teams. Winner of that will get the Heat, and then the winner of that game will get the eight. And then Thunder and Pelicans are going to be the nightcap at 930 that again, the 9 versus the 10. And Pelicans are the 9. Thunder are the 10. Winner of that game. We'll get the Minnesota Timberwolves um, later this week. Let's talk about the Masters. The rain did not stop the show. It went on as scheduled. Uh, and and you got to think, man. Uh, what would it be if the rain did stop the Masters? There'd be a lot of tears shed for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. But definitely glad they got to put it in. John Rahm is the Masters champion, number three in the world, 12 under. But Brooks Kopka looked like the early favorite. He was up by five strokes, then it was three strokes, and then on the final day he lost that lead. But he comes home second with eight under, um, just just really good. You know, in the fourth round, here's really the tell of the tape. Rahm was three under in that final round. Kopka was three over. And so when you look at that, you go, hmm, that makes sense. And then Phil Mickelson, one of the all-time greats, tied for second. Really good to see he was eight under. And he his fourth round, he was seven under, um, which was really impressive and was what led to that. Um, Henley and Patrick Reed kind of rounded it out at both seven under. They tied for fourth in the tournament. Lily, what are your thoughts on the Masters? John Rahm is the champion That's really great to see. That's a mark off the bucket list. The Masters was definitely an interesting one to watch. And, you know, I think, um, you know, like you said, Brooks Kopika, you know, was an early favorite. And then you sort of saw him, you know, decrease throughout. He lost some momentum. Phil Mickelson tied for second with eight under. Pretty interesting to see. I mean, he's kind of struggled. You could kind of be like, oh, age is getting to him, but. He comes out and and really does well. I think for a lot of people like myself who kind of grew up watching Phil, it's really cool to see him have this hurrah at the Masters of all places. Right, yeah. I mean, overall, I think he he did great. Uh, I I definitely agree with you. And, you know, you got to wonder with Brooks, 
you know, he was up by five strokes. Do you, I, I, I kind of have to wonder, do you think he just put his, it took his foot off the gas pedal because he went, oh, I'm five strokes up. I'm, I'm going to win this thing. And even going into the final day, you're up three strokes. We've seen players have big leads. Jordan Spieth is one that comes to mind. Had a really big lead and then two straight water shots ended his day at the Masters. Um, you got to think, and especially in the Masters, you cannot take your foot off the gas pedal. That's one of those events that it's not going to be handed to you. You can't take a big lead because everybody has dreamed of this since they were young children uh, to win the Masters. So sad to see for Brooks, but he's got a long career ahead of him. And I think with things like this happen in sports, you only learn from it. And that's what you got to do. You got to really learn from it and be a sponge. Uh, but I think that is all the time we have today. Lily, thank you so much for joining me. It was a lot of fun to talk sports with you. Thank you for having me, Bryson. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we will let y'all go, and we will see you all next week.